Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation is building its Do Good Village in Lando Lakes, Florida. It's the first of its kind, a community of 110 homes for the foundation's program recipients. So together, families can heal. So together, families can help one another. A special place where families know that their neighbors understand and care. Make the Do Good Village the first of many. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. I just got done listening to Mariah Carey, to be around you, to be exact. And it just put me in such a good mood. Every time I listen to some old Mariah Carey, I don't know what it is. Hell, some new Mariah Carey. It all just, look, it just it just warms my spirit, okay? I was already in a good mood because episode five of Moon Knight was a fantastic episode. Oh, it was another one of those walking through the past kind of episodes. Very introspective. Finally get a glimpse at the, the, the events that caused that dissociative identity disorder that Mark has. Whew, it was a lot to handle. It was a very emotional episode, and I'm ready to talk about it. Plus, I want to get into a little bit of Doctor Strange news, because some of y'all countries, y'all are trying it, okay? This is your bonus episode of Reality and Comics 2. Let's do it. That's right. You're listening to Reality and Comics 2, the podcast that discusses all things scripted and unscripted TV and film. I'm Kendrick, but most of you know me as your mama's favorite black geek. You want some hot takes about the Real Housewives or Love Island, or maybe you just want some extra insight on the Scarlet Witch or the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, you're in the right place. Grab a cocktail, sit back, and prepare to cuss and fuss right along with me. She brought me a whole lot of like, I love different air fresheners and stuff. I just, I'm, I'm so obsessed with like how my body smells, how my room smell, how the house smells. I'm just always obsessed. Like I never want anybody thinking I'm stanky. Okay. <laughs> Kid, keep it cute. She brought me a whole lot of different uh, smells today. A lot of smell goods. And what, there are like three different types of like watermelon smell in here. Like she wants me, <laughs> I was about to make a joke so bad. I'm not going to say that. She wants me, oh, she wants me to be a stereotype so damn bad. It's shameful. You know what, girl, I'm sick of it. Okay. Y'all, 
we are so close to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I cannot wait for this movie. I told y'all I have my two best friends coming down from Indiana. We're gonna, you know, we're making a whole weekend out of it. They're coming Friday. We're going to dinner at my favorite restaurant. Then Saturday, we're gonna see the movie. We're going to breakfast, you know, all this kind of stuff. So I'm looking forward to that weekend because of that alone. But I'm just literally, I'm so excited for this movie. Honestly, they're gonna leave on Sunday. I'll probably buy a solo ticket and go see it again if it's really good, which I know it's going to be. I'm just so excited. Look, anything, they got a whole lot of Wanda. I'm a big Doctor Strange fan. We get to meet America Chavez. It's going to be a whole lot of cameos at the is ass, okay? Not the ass, the is ass. I'm excited. I like is ass cameos, okay? But a lot of people around the world, unfortunately, will not get to see this movie. Why? Because it's been banned in multiple countries. It's been banned in Saudi Arabia. I think it's been banned in Egypt. China, I'm not sure about. I thought I'd heard China at some point, but I don't know. Obviously, if you're not familiar with the comics, America Chavez, who is supposed to have, you know, she's all in the trailers. She's supposed to have a really big part in this movie, and this is our first time meeting her. She's a queer uh, comic book character. And, of course, you know, the child, they be trying it, you know, across seas with the, the queer characters. They don't go for it. Uh, forget y'all, okay? We not gonna stand for that. But, you know what? We're used to that, okay? We, we're used to... We know at this point that certain movies aren't going to sell in certain regions simply because there are characters that don't... They go against their uh, religious beliefs or whatever the case may be. The thing that's super gross and weird, though is the fact that people are, like, online bullying the actress that plays America Chavez. For what? What what has this girl possibly done except be happy about being in a movie? Y'all are weird as fuck. I don't know. It can't be me. It's got to be one of y'all cousins or something. I don't know what the hell y'all doing, who hurt y'all as children. But to sit up there and harass online, cyberbully a 15-year-old, I I can't deal with y'all. Anyway, listen, I'm so excited about that movie. I'm even more excited. Well, no, I'm not going to lie like that. (laughs) I was about to say I'm even more excited to see how Moon Knight ends. That's not nearly the level of excitement I have. I'm excited to see how it ends. But Multiverse of Madness, I've been waiting for since, oh, dear God, I don't know how long. I feel like I got excited once, like, WandaVision rap because I was like, okay, She's all in that movie. Give it to me right now. Inject it in my veins. And then, you know, it's supposed to come before Spider-Man No Way Home. But then it got switched around. Floopity floopity. Who knows, you know, how that would have went. But I'm excited to see the changes they made. What happened. You know, now how the story reflects it. Now that it's after Spider-Man No Way Home. All of the cameos. Like, I, I want to see everything. I want to see the multiverse absolutely explode. I wanted to set up Loki Season 2 for a better season. Um, you know, I wanted to see everything. I want the X-Men, you know, I want mutants to finally introduce, you know, introduced. I don't know if that's going to happen, but you know, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Will it happen? We'll see. I don't know. I'm excited about it though. I'm talking too much. Let's get into Moon Knight. Remember, we left off with Mark being shot by Arthur Harrow and waking up in a mental facility, implying that all of this has been some kind of big illusion, been in his head, whatever. He discovers Stephen inside of the sarcophagus, and they run into a big hippo god. Now you're all caught up, okay? (laughs) 
The episode opens with a kid in a cave with water screaming for help. Then a woman screaming at him, this is your fault. This is all your fault. And then boom, once again, we're right back in Dr. Harold's office or Dr. Emmett, you know, whatever you prefer. He's having to convince Mark that he didn't shoot him and that his brain is like a pendulum swinging back and forth, back and forth between reality and this created reality where he's convinced himself that he's a superhero and has multiple identities. He also, I'm not actually sure this is Mark because he looks beat up, brutalized, got the bandage on his nose. It very well could be, but I'll talk about that accent in a little bit. After Mark is convinced that he isn't really a doctor, he starts to question him, but Arthur starts providing clarity on a lot of different aspects that we've seen so far on this show, leading Mark to believe that most of his recent experiences have been quote-unquote nonsense in his head. He breaks a lot of this down using a lot of medical mumbo-jumbo jargon, but then questions the new animal character, referencing the hippo goddess. And then he says that before he got upset earlier, he was telling him about a little boy, which obviously we can infer now seeing the whole episode, who that little boy is that he's talking about. Mark jumps up and he grabs a sharp object from the desk and his accent sounds different to me. Like as if it wasn't Steven or Mark, like it sounded, you know, there's no indication of that, but it just, I don't know. I just felt like it wasn't him. It sounded real, like super Chicago Cubs fan-ish. Like it didn't, I don't know. You know, we knew he was from Chicago, so I guess... I don't know. I guess we've been expecting this, but it kind of peaked out as if it was that other personality coming in. We don't know that for sure, but I don't know. This would be a little late in the game to bring them out. But anyway, Harold presses a button to have the security guards rush in and stop him. They have to end up sedating him. They try to put a big ass needle in his neck and pushed all that liquid in. And when they do, the scene cuts back to Mark and Steven in the hallway with the hippo goddess towering. Mark thinks he's just been shot, but she lets him know, now, uh, you dead, homie, you dead. Remember, he, you know, she helps guide souls on their journey through the afterlife. Listen, sis got box braids, okay, with beads on the end, so I trust everything she says, okay? It's like getting a warm hug from a family member. I, I trust Talrid and everything that she's telling me, okay? So if she said you dead, you dead, okay? Your mama named you Talrid, I'm gonna call you Talrid. One thing I love during this scene is I can't remember if I said it during like a previous episode, if I was just theorizing, like kicking shit with a friend and mentioned it. But I wondered initially with all of the Egyptian God talk, if we'd get any references to Wakanda. Well, we get like a slight one here when she says there are many afterlives. You'd be surprised how many intersectional planes of untethered consciousness exist, like the ancestral plane. Gorgeous. Now, remember, the ancestral plane has all, you know, it's been talked about in Black Panther many times before. This is that like parallel dimension where the soul, you know, the soul exists outside of the body. And it's where like T'Challa went to have his conversation with T'Chaka. It's where uh, Eric Killmonger went to have his conversation with his dad. You know, like it's where a lot of that kind of stuff happens for the afterlife, where after they take the purple orb, they have their kind of like, uh, otherworldly realization 
if I'm not mistaken, the astral plane and the ancestral plane are the same thing. And we've gotten a lot of astral plane talk from the ancient one and from Dr. Strange. So it's a little reference to the outside MCU for a change in this actual show. She tells them that this realm is usually seen as more easily recognizable to them. And it's obviously like a psych war because, well, they're insane. Those are Mark's words, not mine. Okay, don't write me no letters. Don't try to go to the FCC and get my ass canceled. Okay, I didn't say it. They said it. Mark's basically, you know, he has a bit of a crisis and starts word vomiting his feelings. And he pushes through the door and he reveals the underworld. They're on a huge ship sailing across the sands of the underworld and Talrid lets them know that they're sailing to the field of reeds. Obviously, that's kind of like paradise. And that if both of their hearts are balanced in life, then they'll get to spend eternity in paradise. She walks over to them and talks, you know, takes both of their hearts, literally sticks their hand in her chest and ah, snatches both of their hearts out. They're like, crystallized versions of their hearts anyway but you know it takes them from their chest and she puts them on a scale next to a feather if it balances before their journey ends then field of reeds paradise honey okay if not then you getting thrown off this motherfucking ship like the pirates of the caribbean spinoff one that doesn't start jackie you know johnny depp and amber Heard, because child i'm tired of both of their asses this trial has been going on put both of their asses in jail i'm sick of both of them okay Mark and Steven go whisper and Mark suggests that they kill Talrit if it comes to that. But before they can even discuss this, they notice that the scales are not balancing. Like they're literally like oscillating back and forth, back and forth, up and down, up and down, just like a damn seesaw. She tells them that their hearts aren't full. They're incomplete and dust might claim their souls. Do do at dust, whatever the hell it was. I think it was do at, but <laughs> but Siri won't let me be great all this damn spell checking her ass be doing. She suggests that they go show each other the truths and balance the scales since all of their past memories are inside the boat. Almost like episode eight of WandaVision, which is my favorite episode of all of the Disney Plus shows. When Agatha takes her on, you know, she takes Wanda on their journey throughout her life. You know, they start off as uh, her and Pietro and her parents inside the apartment. Her dad is the uh, the TV salesman or DVD salesman. And uh, people, you know, that's his whole source of income, people buying up those DVDs. But then that Tony Stark bomb hits and almost kills their asses. But her and Pietro live, but the parents die. Then she takes them on a journey to when uh, they were, what was it, captured. And that's when they had uh, Loki Scepter, I think. And then the stone flew off and it flew at Wanda Pew! and then you know she became the Scarlet Witch or the Scarlet Witch started living inside of her hell I don't damn know but then you know you got the scene with her and Vision both living inside of uh, Avengers Compound and then you get the big reveal at the end this is chaos magic Wanda and you're the Scarlet Witch you know look that was a good episode okay Episode 5 of Moon Knight is turned out to be just like that. I love it. All of that just to see how she created Westview. I love to see it, okay? As they walk through the hall, you can see glimpses of their memories through the door. Some we've seen in this series, like when Moon Knight was killing the jackal in the bathroom of the museum. Uh, when Mr. Knight and Khonshu were turning back the sky to what it looked like 2,000 years ago, etc., etc. But then... They see one where Mark is just like standing on the street, staring into a window. 
Steven has no memory of this, but Mark is obviously like playing it off. He remembers something. Suddenly they hear a help. <laughs> Steven follows it and walks into a room filled with dead bodies, just calmly sitting dead at the tables. Obviously this room is filled with people that Mark has killed. According to Mark though, these are all like killers, predators, pedophiles, like all of the worst people in life. And that people that Khonshu wanted vengeance on. As he started talking, the scales in the room started balancing a little more. So obviously them revealing more secrets to each other is working. The plan that they have to go through and, you know, tell each other the truth is working. Suddenly, Stephen notices a young boy amongst the group of the dead. He asks why there's a child in a room filled with people that he's killed and the child runs off. Steven ends up chasing him down the hallway and follows him behind like a locked door that leads to like a backyard in Chicago and he locks it behind him so that Mark can't stop him from learning whatever truth he doesn't want him to learn. Steven turns around and sees his mom. They're barbecuing in the backyard and young Steven's brother's like, hey, do you want to go to the cave? And then they get up and they just go, okay? <laughs> During this scene, though, we see uh, the mom, you know, she goes to see them off. But we see that, like, Steven has had this lingo that he uses for a long time. He said, lay a gay us, which is like a callback to episode one when he was calling his mom on the phone. His mom that obviously we now know has been dead for quite some time. A little creepy, but that's okay. We also immediately get another reference when Steven follows the two young boys into the forest. And we hear one, like, I think it's the younger brother say, uh, I'll be, who was it? Russer, I think is the name of the character this time. And then he's like, can you hear that, Dr. Grant? So obviously they've watched the movie from last episode, that VHS tape, and are pretending to be the two characters from the movie. The characters that helped shape one of Mark's personal not personalities, identities. I got to stop mixing up the two. One of his identities, Steven. And uh, in that phony ass accent, anyway. <laughs> it's random, but it's important to note that uh, before Steven follows him into the cage, he sees the bones of a dead bird on the ground. And the beat kind of implies that it's supposed to look like Khonshu. So I don't know if Khonshu is supposed to be made up in his head too. Or if this is going to really be like the Jeff Lemire run and, you know, I'm not going to ruin that for y'all. But, you know, I don't know if this is supposed to imply that Khonshu was just uh, made up from a dead ass bird that he saw on the ground or from a picture that he saw someone draw in a mental facility. I don't know. I guess we'll find out next week when all of this ends. I don't know. As they go into the cave, Steven notices how fast the water is moving inside of the cave. This leads us to see like the first traumatic event that Mark experiences in his life, which is the death of his brother who drowned in the cave that day. We immediately see the next traumatic event, uh, which is when we see his mother's like mental state deteriorating because of this. And like he's constantly being blamed as the reason why his brother died by his own mother. I mean, that's trauma enough. She has a whole breakdown and she's screaming at him and saying that it's his fault. It's your fault. It's your fault over and over and over again. We then see some time has passed and it's Mark's birthday. And then it's his birthday again. But his mother never celebrates with him. Yeah, one year she don't even come downstairs. But the next year she does come downstairs and she just continues to blame him over and over again. And talk about how he was always jealous of his brother and this and that. As Steven was about to go through another door inside the house, 
Mark grabs him and pulls him outside. Obviously, he does not want him to see what happened in that room that day. Then, while they're outside, we witness yet another scene that Mark remembers. The day that he finally leaves home because he couldn't take his mother's cruelty anymore. With, uh, who is it, Stephen, as he's watching on to this scene, Mark tackles him and they wind up back on the sands of the underworld. Or that's what it looks like, at least. They're actually at the next memory. This is where Mark was a mercenary in the desert on the day that all of those archaeologists were killed. We hear a name that I've mentioned on this podcast before, but one that we haven't heard being said on the show before, which is Bushman. Now, you know, Bushman in the comics, that was the man that killed the archaeologist and left Mark for dead in the desert. Uh, we see that one of the men there actually that day, which is kind of a deviation from, not a, kind of a deviation from the comics, you know, since Layla isn't in the comics, you know, it's Marlene in the comics, but we see that one of the men that's dead is Layla's dad, who Mark said he tried to help, but couldn't. Then we see Mark's lifeless body on the inside of the tomb of Khonshu lying at the bottom of the steps of his statue. All of this should sound familiar because remember I gave you this origin story as it happened in the comic books and we're actually kind of seeing it play out pretty accurately on the show right now. Mark is about to kill himself. He has a gun, you know, he's really injured and he's about to die. So he just wants to put himself out of his misery. And then he heard the voice of Khonshu. Khonshu needs a warrior of vengeance and Mark agrees, of course, in exchange for his life. He agrees to be the one who protects travelers of the night and bring Khonshu's vengeance to those who would do them harm. Stephen immediately sees that Khonshu is clearly taking advantage of Mark, but Mark sees it as a way for him to pretty much continue to be who he's always been, which is a stone-blooded killer, okay? Then we see him turn into Moon Knight for the first sight, which was such a glorious scene this episode. I mean, I feel like all comic book fans legs quivered during this <laughs> during this moment it was so beautiful and plus oscar isaac looks good and white okay i mean one of the benefits of playing this hero are you looking for a cheap way to support your favorite content creator you know who i'm talking about the content creator that you happen to be listening to now yes guess what i'm on buy me a coffee or in my case buy me a beer okay go to www.buymeacoffee.com slash reality comics two the number two this time yeah they said it was too long yada 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 whatever listen i work hard to put out these two podcast episodes every single week to run the instagram account to do the polls the stories the uh, uh, uh everything else in between any support that you guys give me i always appreciate so if you're tired of uh, me constantly soliciting uh ratings and reviews then just buy me a coffee i love you for it this is when we hear turmoil and cut back to them on top of the ship with Talrit, and we find out that unbalanced souls are currently being judged Talrit agrees to help them and she turns the ship towards osiris but since the scales aren't yet balanced we've still got some work to do okay they've got to go do some more soul searching 
Steven already knows that the answer lies in the room that Mark didn't want him to go in earlier. But Mark kind of pleads with him. He's like, no, we're not going back in that room. I'm not going through all of this, you know, yada, yada, yada. Let's just talk it out. <laughs> let's just talk instead. Let's just sit here. Let's talk, okay? Child, let's just talk as the MCU version of, let me just put the tip in. You know what? This ain't that kind of episode. Let me continue. Steven knows how important all of this is because Ahmed and Harrow, they, you know, they refuse to back down and Mark loses it and he just starts slapping his head, slapping himself. No, ah, screaming, ah, ah, boom, right back in Dr. Harrow's office once again. Harrow continues to tell Mark that he's doing such a good job and he's reliving all his past trauma and all this, this and that, yada, yada, yada. But then he asks him if he thinks he created Steven to hide from all the awful things that he's done throughout his life or did Steven create Mark to punish the world for the way his mother treated him? Now see, that's a question right there. He then encourages him to open up to Steven and that's when we finally flash back to the inside of that room. Young Mark has shut the door. He had, uh, tried to lock it, I guess. I don't know, because sis couldn't get in there. Older Steven is watching and doesn't remember this at all. Suddenly, someone starts banging at the door, and it's his mama. And he, young Mark, starts kind of freaking out because he doesn't want to face her. Obviously, you know, he kind of, you know, I mean, the lady been traumatizing him for years now. Suddenly... We see the eye movements that we're so used to. You know, every time we see a, an identity switch, we see those eyebrows convulsing, those eyeballs rolling, you know, it all happens. You know what it looks like. And then all of a sudden, young Mark is speaking in a, a British accent and starts cleaning up the room. This is when the trauma became too much for Mark to handle and he created his first altar. This is also when Big Steven notices the poster on the wall and realizes why his little brother called him Dr. Steven Grant earlier because he's a movie character. Child, his mama comes through the door and she started acting like my mama, swinging belts and taking names and not giving a damn who in her path, okay? Steven is struggling with all of these different realizations. He always thought that he was the original, but it turns out that he's the alter. During all of this ranting from Mark, this is when he reveals that their mom is actually dead. Steven starts freaking out, and this time, it's him that pops up in Harold's office for the therapy session. See, side note, I love that when Steven is, you know, taking all of this in, he notices Harold's new look, his new do, his new color. Then that's when he <laughs> he's a little different than he's used to, and he calls that man Ned Flanders. I know you fucking lying. See, Disney think they slick, dropping Simpson references now that they own the Simpsons and Family Guy and everything else that Fox has, all the Fox franchises. Disney is good for dropping subliminal hints on your ass to make you watch all the other franchises on Disney+. Plus. I ain't mad at you, though. Make that money, Disney, if you need to fucking make any more money. They have a little therapy session, and it's revealed that Steven is the one that checked them into the mental facility after the passing of their mother. Harrow starts getting smart and is like, well, hold on, let me call her for you. <laughs> See, this some petty shit, but it works. It works. He acts like the phone is ringing and everything. When he hands Stephen the phone to, quote unquote, speak to his mother, suddenly Stephen remembers that his mom is indeed dead. We cut to the scene where he shows up to the funeral, Mark that is, or Shiva, 
but doesn't go inside. Listen, this thing brought up a whole lot of questions for me, okay? Because it's some stuff I've been wondering. I, I genuinely didn't know what Mark's race, ethnicity, I didn't know what any of that was supposed to be during this show. Because, like, Oscar Isaac is, what, Guatemalan-American? Uh, Mark Spector is Jewish. I thought somebody was Egyptian. Chat, I don't damn know. Somebody British. It's a lot going on, but hell, I guess it wouldn't be worth watching if they didn't have all this going on with all these identities. So, you know what? I'm just going to, we're going to move past it, okay? As he's walking off, he breaks down in the street and starts crying and he's smashing his yarmulke and he can't handle the reality anymore and then suddenly he becomes Stephen Grant again. He's in the middle of the street and wondering, you know, where he is. And his solution, of course, is to call his mother. Now, keep in mind, he just left her shiva and he's getting directions from her. But see, it ends up being some like selling sunset <laughs> type of shit. Because if you look at his phone, it's on the camera screen. You know, when you're about to take a picture on your phone. It's on that screen. It's on Google Maps and another screen. It's very much given Jason Oppenheimer making some phone calls, but it turns out that this is when Steven and Mark's lives, like, you know, kind of start blending in with each other. Ooh, this one scene alone caused the basis for this whole damn show. After some reassurances, they return to the top of the ship and they find out that their scales never balanced. Now the unbalanced souls of Duat must claim their souls. See, child, they start coming up out the sand like Michael Jackson thriller video and attempt to kill both Mark and Steven. An all-out battle ensues. This is when Mark is about to, you know, just get tossed overboard. Steven comes to the rescue like a G, okay? But of course, in order to save him, he winds up going overboard instead, child. As Steven tries to run through the sand to get back at the boat, he starts transforming into stone, one arm extended, staring off into the sunset, and finally just becomes a statue. Then suddenly, the scales are now balanced, and Mark is left in the field of reeds. Whew! This is a fucking amazing episode, okay? My only gripe with this episode is there was no fucking post credit scene. Like, why didn't y'all set up the finale with a post credit scene like you've been doing with all the other Disney Plus shows? Like, what the hell is happening? Oh, I just love a post credit scene. I do. I'm sorry. post credit scene is literally the whole reason why I wanted to see Morbius. You think I wanted to see Morbius? No, I didn't. But, I mean, hey, I want to see them post credit scenes. Those post credit scenes were stupid as hell and didn't make no damn sense. But I saw them. I got to see them. That's all that mattered to me in life. Child, let me get the hell out of here. But you know what? I forgot to tell y'all, CinemaCon was today. I didn't mention it, though, because we didn't find out anything new about Marvel's new movies, except that they pretty much confirmed what we already knew. There are six movies between here and the end of 2023. There's Doctor Strange, The Multiverse of Madness, Thor, Love and Thunder. There's uh, Black Panther. There's Captain Marvel 2, there's Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, and what else is there? It's something else. I just can't remember. It's something else, but it's something you ass already knew and they've been filming for a long time, so don't even worry about it, okay? Listen, we are now ready 
for the last episode of the season, episode six. We're going to see how this all ties up. I'm guessing this is going to be a, a mini series one and done. I don't know if we're going to get a season two announcement like they did with Loki. I don't know. We'll just have to wait till next week and see. Next week's going to be a great week, y'all. We got the Moon Knight finale. We've got Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And then we've just, we've got life because it's worth living, okay? So y'all get y'all asses up at them chairs and go live some life, okay? through that entire episode well aren't you special you deserve a treat why don't you head on over to apple podcast or stitcher or Podchaser or Castbox and leave me a five-star rating and review for free need to contact me email me at realitycomics2 at gmail.com make sure you follow me on instagram for hilarious memes and up-to-date information about the podcast that's at Reality Comics 2, T-O-O. This is Kendrick, and I'll see ya! Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.